As you have a seat, take your Bibles. I invite you to uh, open the Bibles to Acts chapter 1 in the New Testament, kind of midway toward the back. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. We're going to pray, and we're going to listen to God's Word. So let's pray. By your Holy Spirit, O God, we ask that we would hear your Word addressing us, calling to us, loving us, leading us. In Christ's name, amen. Acts 1, beginning at verse 1. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. What was that first book, by the way? In the first book, Theophilus, that's right. It was the Gospel of Luke, which is the book we have been in all since the beginning of the year in our theme of knowing Jesus He begins Luke the same way, addressing a man named Theophilus, which means lover of God. So this is someone who is a believer, and Luke is writing to encourage the believer, to encourage the church. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, and actually that word means eating, which is important, very personal, very interactive, very engaged, while eating with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. That is a difficult order. Because they don't live in Jerusalem, that is not their place. And they've already gone through a lot, and I'm sure they're ready to go home. Jesus has been crucified, risen. They've been hanging out there, and he's saying, stay. Don't go home. He ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you've heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women 
including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. A few weeks ago, I went down to our preschool playground area, and I don't go down there nearly enough. We have an amazing preschool here. We have from our beginnings, thank you to Rosemary Smith. And I was hanging out there where they had this uh, really fun little container of water, and there were all these plastic sea creatures in there, and the kids were gathered around playing in there. And I started talking to one of the moms, and this mom was like PR woman for our preschool. She was talking about what an amazing play-based preschool we have and how hard she searched high and low for a play-based preschool, not an academic-based preschool. She talked about the importance of that and that as she was doing that research, how she remembered with one school that she was interviewing for her little toddler, she heard one parent say and asked the school when they were going on a tour, how will this preschool help my child get into Stanford? She was like, really? Really, a preschooler? And she was just talking about how that's the culture in which we live, the pressures, and she's trying so hard and had, before she even had children, was committed to living a different way, a better way. And she talked about how it was hard to find in the play-based preschools uh, one that uh, was a co-op, because many of them are being pressured not to be co-ops because parents don't have any time to co-op. And she was talking, and we were talking about the importance of co-oping because it's not just the children that need to learn a different way of developing and growing based on who they are as human beings in that stage of life. It's also the parents that need to learn this better way and this different way than the pressure we feel to be academic. She was saying how she watched the movie A Race to Nowhere, which we showed here at this church, The Race to Nowhere. All this pressure, all this homework, all this academic squeeze that's actually not helping our children. It's actually in the long haul interviewing them on the other end, really hurting them in a lot of ways. And it was interesting because as I heard her talking, I also heard her talking about how her children as they're getting older is getting harder and harder for her to align herself around this better way and she's feeling the squeeze and the things that actually help her align herself, times of meditation, times of being still, times of letting go, times of saying no, It's getting harder and harder to do. She doesn't want her family. She doesn't want her children. She doesn't want herself to be aligned with that kind of pressure and that kind of way of life. The whole time I was talking to her, I almost wanted to jump up and down and say, that's why we're here, not just the preschool. That's why we're here as a church. There is a better way for the children of God. There is a better way, and it's a different way. When Jesus was with his disciples, his very first apostles, the ones he called right off the bat, and he is now raised from the dead, he is spending 40 days teaching them. And did you notice what he's teaching them about? He's spending 40 days talking with them, speaking about the kingdom of God. He's hanging out with them. He's eating with them. Through the Holy Spirit, he's instructing them. There's a better way, he's letting them know, different than the way of their context where they live in first-century Greco-Roman world. 
and all the powers and all the pressures there. So they've been with Jesus for 40 days learning about this, and then they have questions about this kingdom. The question that all of them were thinking was this, Lord, is this the time when you are going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, why are they asking that question, and why is it so important? What they have in their minds is what we see when we're reading the Psalms, and King David is in power, and Israel has wealth, and Israel is victorious over all their enemies. It is a golden era where they are on top. And now they're living in a Roman world, a Greco-Roman world, where they are on the bottom, and they are oppressed. And they don't have a lot of choices, and they are feeling the squeeze. I mean, look at Jesus on the cross. That is a Greco-Roman way of punishing. It's humiliating, shaming, and he was up there for no good reason. Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And notice in that group of apostles, there is one named Simon the Zealot. Zealots were people that believed in a military answer to the powers of Rome. So they're looking for, come on, are you going to finally put your people back up on top as a people? And Jesus' answer really isn't an answer, is it? It's an alignment. He's taking them away from aligning themselves around that way of being, the pressures and the squeezes of their context and that culture. He's saying there's a better way, and I will give you what you need to live this better way which is not aligning yourselves with all the pressures around you. No, wait here in Jerusalem. Now, isn't that like the worst answer you want in the world? Wait. Wait here in Jerusalem, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, the same power that is alive in Jesus as he is instructing them and aligning them. In our core values, our very first core value as a church here at Trinity, the wording is this, bringing life into alignment with the way of Jesus. That's why we're here. And the subtext underneath it is this, in the context of all the pressures of life in the Silicon Valley, and there are many, our desire is to align our everyday lives with the way of God revealed in Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we are the church, Trinity, here in the middle of this peninsula, helping one another live this better way, to know about it, to live into it. Wait, Jesus tells them. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There's a great passage of Scripture that is often read in, even in memorial services, but every time it's read, I want you to turn with me to it, it's Isaiah 40. It encourages us. It has the word wait in it, but it also has a lot of other words that really, really encourage us. Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31, listen to these words that we love. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, who does not faint or grow weary, whose understanding is unsearchable, who gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Because even youths will faint and be weary. 
Even the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why do people love this scripture so much? In our context, whenever this scripture is read out loud, I can almost hear this sigh, this longing inside. Yay! Renew our strength because we're exhausted. We are exhausted. Taking our children around as they are on traveling sports teams, uh, competing at a semi-Olympic level, and trying to do that on top of all the other things of working 24-7 and commuting long hours, they are exhausted. 14-hour days on end, 12 to 14-hour days, choosing preschools like colleges, working on college prep from the time the babies are in the womb, we are exhausted. We are on that race. Yes, you can call it the race to nowhere, but do we have a choice? Given what it takes to live here on the peninsula, the pace, the 24-7 pace, what it costs to live here on the peninsula, the salary, the money you have to have to live here on the peninsula, if you're going to make enough to live here, if you're going to get your kids into a good college, there's no choice. You have to align with this way of life. Wait. Even in this Isaiah 40 passage, wait for the Lord, and you will renew your strength. You will mount up with wings like eagles. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not faint. I was meeting with a mom, new mom, uh, last week, Uh, Her baby's just a few months old, and she's getting ready to go back to work. Actually, this last week, she went back to work. And so she was asking for prayer because she was going back to work. She's in a master's program. She's taking several classes. She's in an internship, and in this internship, she's working 20 hours a week. Right. I'm like, okay, you're doing full-time momming, and you're doing this 20-hour-a-week job, and you are taking classes as a master's degree student, and you're going to go back to a full-time job. So I suggested to her, you might want to pray. (laughs) (laughs) You might want to pray for balance. You might want to pray and ask what God has in mind in terms of Sabbath and what it takes to be the children of God. Last week, Kristen Vervignotis was telling us about a great gathering at her home, a dinner uh, for all our children's ministry team people, great people, talking together, and I'm not sure if they were talking about this poll, but there's a poll that came out recently about a third of the people in the Bay Area are thinking about moving away because of the pressure, because of the busyness, because of the traffic, actually, and because of the cost of living. And so as they were talking about the busyness and about the pressures and about the expense, one of the statements that came out, this longing was this, will it ever get better? Will it ever get better? I think some people harbor this hope that maybe we'll go back to Sabbaths on Sunday and perhaps that will be held sacrosanct in the future and stores will no longer be open and 
there will no longer be sports events on Sunday, and what do you think? No. It's a 24-7 world. It's only going to get more and more intense. Or maybe some people are looking up to heaven and hoping that Jesus will come back right now and save us from the insanity. How many times have you used that word? It's crazy. It's insane. We can move. We can escape. But where would we go? There is a better way, and we know it. We just don't feel very hopeful that we can live it. Like the CMT folks, is it going to get better? Is it possible to do this? Jesus' answer with this pressurized system that they're living in in the first century that they cannot leave, wait here in Jerusalem, you will receive power from on high. And the amazing thing is that they actually did wait there in Jerusalem. That is amazing. Because they had to be ready to go home. And they didn't know what was coming. But they had this promise. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint, live a different way. Live a better way as the children of God and the way we were created and meant to live. In the context of all the pressures of life in the Silicon Valley, we will align our everyday lives with the way of God revealed in Jesus Christ, made possible by his Holy Spirit, Jesus alive with them, Jesus alive in them, Jesus alive in God's children. We may feel like Mary. Don't you think it's interesting that Mary's mentioned at the end of this passage? Remember the, the very first time she's mentioned in the Gospel of Luke, and there's an angel saying to her, you're going to be pregnant with the Son of God. And she's saying, well, how is that going to be possible? And the answer comes, the power of God will come upon you. The Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to do this. This is not coming from you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. What is impossible for us is possible for God. Nothing, that's the last word that was said by the angel. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. So alignment. I think we know a better way is possible, but how? It's not going to come from us. It's not going to come from our striving, just trying harder. Notice what they're doing here in Acts 1. They are devoting themselves to prayer. Wait for the Lord, and you will renew your strength. They are waiting on the presence, the power, the relationship with God, like this woman that I suggest to her, well, maybe you want to pray. And she said, that's a good idea. I need to pray because it's impossible. But it's possible with God. Notice the gift of one another. They're not doing this on their own. They are all gathered together in that upper room waiting, learning, being instructed, all of it's happening together as God's people, as the church. Great getaway last weekend. We don't do this learning and we don't do this living by ourselves. We can't. It takes one another. And even the lament after the moms and parents were meeting last week with CMT and one person talked about coming to church maybe once a month. Friends, that's not going to do it. 
If your whole life is being aligned around all the pressures of the Silicon Valley, once a month in church is not going to do it. You are going to be aligned elsewhere. Learning. They're praying. They are together as the body of Christ, and they are being instructed. Remembering, reorienting ourselves constantly which the men of our church do every Saturday morning, the women of our church do every Thursday morning, people are doing in learning circles. That's ongoing. Alignment, it has to take that gathering because, friends, the river and the torrent is just sweeping us away, whether we intend it to or not, and we're being aligned elsewhere. So notice, it takes prayer, waiting on God. It takes the community, the church. It takes constant learning. Kurt and I are coming after you in any way we can, trying to get you in these learning circles. But you have to decide you want to be in them and to realize that this is important for a better way and living in a better way. You have to choose that you want that better way because just like these parents in the preschool, it's not going to happen just because you want it. So if you're interested in a learning circle, you can put that on your card too where it says small group, and we will find a way to get you in a learning circle nonstop, nonstop. Oh, Theophilus, lover of God, be encouraged. There must have been all kinds of reasons for them to be discouraged, that they were being shaped, molded, led, swept away by the Greco-Roman world. Well, that was their context, but it didn't need to be their place of alignment. Be encouraged. Wait for power from on high. Don't be alone. You don't have to be. I've given you everything you need to live into this alignment. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us the way you do. You you know us. You know what we need. You know how hard it is, the pressure we feel to live not only in this context, but to live in alignment with this context. Oh, God, we want to live a better way. And by your power, lead us into being a part of a praying people, a learning people, an aligning people, so that we can be a part of your good news that, yes, indeed, there is a better way. Thank you that this is true and that you've come to give us this way in the person, the work, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen.